Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Today's pod is also brought to you by Chosen One, a lifestyle brand of the nerd and famous, promoting academic hustle, street culture, and the geek life. Inspired by pop with a dash of retro goodness, Chosen One evolves with the future with a mission to provide a positive and empowering brand that flips the script for nerdkind. Check out their website at www.thechosenone.com, that's one with a W, to see their plethora of merchandise including hoodies, shirts, hats, and more. Available in men's, women's, and kids' sizes. Chosen One, the future of nerd kind. Hey everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 40. So today's podcast, we're going to be going over what we've been watching. We have a topic of the week where we're going over a alternate superhero films, I would say we would call it. And then we're going to do a movie review on the new M. Night Shyamalan film, Glass. But before we start, guys, uh, as you may have been able to tell, we have a new sponsor. That's right. Chosen One, bringing us a whole bunch of pop culture and nerd apparel. Which, if you want to check them out, check out their Instagram, at Chosen One Apparel. That's Juan, W-A-N. Yeah, and I actually got to meet the founder of Chosen One, Marco. Super cool guy. He's very into it. Um, legit. Not, not me, Marco. It's a not different you, Marco. a different Marco. Different Marco. Yeah, Marco. true. He's a very, very nice guy. Very laid back. Uh, believes in his uh, mission statement that we were talking about for kind of like futurizing nerd kind culture with like these types of shirts and apparel and accessories it's really cool i check out the website i think nabil you checked it out right yeah it's, it's you know what's what's really great about uh the chosen one is the way that they're showing off vintage things that we're used to you know from films and pop culture references but kind of gives it a modern twist so you yeah. you look at it in the sense of like oh i know what this is a bit of nostalgia but at the same time it fits in with you know kind of modern apparel and and the little fashion designs i mean what his logo is is a guy with uh the back to the future hoverboard wearing a red hoodie with his a little bow tie and glasses and the and nike hat. shoes from yeah. the movie and too. Yeah, the the nike shoes. i mean yeah. it's pretty, pretty in, in cool fact things. uh our very own james is actually wearing one of the shirts right now. Yes, I'm right. I gotta say it, it looks good on him right now. Well you you'll uh, probably be seeing something on our IG here sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. We want to do some more collaborations too, but it's something that is on our radar. Take a look at them. They're like I said, Marco, the not uh, not our Marco, but Marco from Chosen One <laughs> is a cool guy. Our Marco is a cool guy too. Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I just I'm probably, I'm probably not as cool as Chosen One Marco. He's, but he's eyeing me. <laughs> he's eyeing me right now. So without further ado, guys, let's get into the pod and let's get into what we are watching. Hey, what you watching? All right, let's start here with Nabil. What have you been watching? Oh, it's been a, a slow week, a couple weeks for me, actually. An- another Unacceptable. Slow week. Yeah. Okay. Unacceptable, case, Nabil. You know. Unacceptable. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and skip the bill now. We're going to go to James. <laughs> Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, you will be glad to hear that I've actually started watching Ozarks. That's the Jason Bateman show on Amazon Prime. I'm proud of you, Nabil. I believe it's on Netflix. 
It's on Netflix, not Amazon Prime. Yeah, it is on wow. so Netflix. You, you could see that I'm. Are you attention. sure you're watching this show, Nabil? <laughs> wow, you know what? I'm Shame not. on me for not catching that. I was just too excited that you're watching something that's not a British drama. It is not a British. It's definitely not a British drama. Now, uh, my wife is from Missouri. I've said that to you guys a few times on the pod. And um, you've mentioned it, yes. Yeah. And so this show, I really wanted to see just to, to see how backwards Missouri is. I'm sorry for all our Midwesterners. Um, but I like to make fun of my wife sometimes about that. And so we started I mean, watching you the Ozarks. See, you see an easy target, you take yeah, it. I yeah, get it. Like, Bill, you're cutthroat. <laughs> and I want to tell you right now, she looks at it and she's like, it's not all Missouri, but she doesn't disagree. She's like, yeah, this is a little backwards. This is more in the country. I was, I was curious about that, yeah. knowing that your wife is from that area. I wanted to see like how accurate they portray that. Because I'm pretty sure people wonder if shows that, uh, that showcase California get get yeah. it right, and usually we're like, mm, it's not always like that. Now it, it that's is more country though. So she's from the okay. city though. So she's yeah. from St. Louis. I actually just... didn't know this took place in Missouri. I'm <laughs> terrible at uh, geography, guys. <laughs> I thought this took place up north in like Michigan or something. No, no, it does not. Those are mountains. Uh, I just assumed. No, I don't know. Shit. Lakes. We're in the Bay Area right now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, just so you know where we're according at. According to me, California's center of the world. So <laughs> I mean, true. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I will say what I do like about the show so far. I've only seen like the first three episodes, but um, the the whole premise, as Marcos explained, is is essentially that Jason Bateman's character is kind of strung up in some kind of drug issue, a money. I'm sorry, money laundering issue. Yes, and um, he's kind of got a force to go to move into the Ozarks and um, find a way to wash a bunch of money. Um, All while involving his family too, and just bringing them into the light. Up into it, yeah. right? It's very kind of organic how that happens. Like, I'm surprised how well they did it um, because it just kind of slowly unravels. And you look at it and say, I see the excuses he's giving, the reasons he's doing it, and what's happening. It's like, I could see this really happening. Like, somebody's just kind of desperate and has no choice but to uproot his life and move to somewhere else real quick and get. So, are you liking it though overall? And one of those shows that you're definitely going to probably finish soonish? I'm intrigued. I, it's not. I'm not 100% sold yet, but okay. it's definitely... I'm more interested than I have in a lot of other shows that I've started. Like, I want to see yeah. where this goes. How many episodes per season? Is it 10 or 13? Uh, it's... I believe it's 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're almost halfway. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's very interesting to see Jason Bateman play a darker character. Yes. And that's one of the, the, the things that lured me to the show because he's always played this comedic type persona. This is a little bit different. He's like a darker... Uh, Michael Bluth in this. Um, I I find that just fascinating. Yeah, it's a great show. So um, I'm going to continue watching. I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, show unravels. And it is on its second season now. The other show that I've been watching is uh, someone, something I want to say was a courtesy of my wife who got me into it. And I, in turn, um, or we, in turn, got Marco and James into it. Is uh, oh, I'm so excited to talk about this. <laughs> 98 Fiance on TLC. I couldn't wait for this. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't know what 90 Day Fiance is, it's uh, trash TV. Uh, it's also it's the is synopsis. It? Is it? But reality, Man, it's more it reality is. than it is. It is. No, it is. But it's trash. Um, synopsis is using a unique 90 day engagement visa for women. Usually, um, so also men travel to the U.S. to live with their American fiancés for the first time. Each couple has 90 days to wed before the visas expire, and the women or men must return home. Um, that's the general synopsis. The relationships is what you get interested in. Uh, the show has uh, each season. I think we're two seasons behind because that's all that's on Hulu. So we're we've watched up to season five, but um, the the each season has 
like about four or five couples that they kind of follow through throughout the whole season and how that relationship blossoms throughout the 90 day fiance process. So before I start going into a bunch of stuff about it, I'd like to get the I thoughts. I feel like of, we got, uh, yeah, I feel like we got to set this yeah. up a little bit though. Yeah. We didn't just stumble across the show. <laughs> no, Don't act not. like we just was like, yeah, I'll check it out. So we all came to the bills on new year's Eve to celebrate the coming of the new year. Yeah. And they happen to be like on episode four ish or so. Yeah. I want to say, and I mean, you know, we sat down, we ate some food. Mark and I looked at it, and, you know, pretty intriguing after a while. We, you know, after a few minutes, it's like you can't help but watch the screen and, and see what unravels throughout the entire season with these couples and their dynamics. It just draws you in. It's crack. You, you it's need basically to know crack. what's happening. It's you so addicted. I don't even know why. Like, I'm either. not into these kind of shows. I, I give a lot why? of shit to my girlfriend for watching, like, um, Teen Mom or fucking like The Bachelor or Bachelorette, but oh, for some reason, I had to finish. Like Mark and I like finished this season. Yeah, like we weren't fucking around. Like we we, we came home this season, and it's probably I blew the dust off the Hulu and <laughs> actually started watching because it's on Hulu. Yep, and I was like, wow, why can't I stop watching this fucking show? And I was texting James about it and blamed the Bill the whole time. And I was like, look, what it's he funny because like it is trash TV and technically. All these people's lives are pretty fucked up in yeah. a way. I mean, kind of. A couple of them were like, oh, maybe not. But I was sending texts to like Marco Nabil, like these motherfuckers were real. And yeah. like, I was like, I can't believe this bitch said this. And that's, that's what I like about this show that's really kind of got me is that obviously there are scenarios where they're staged. Like they're having a serious conversation in a restaurant where there's nobody else in there. They're just starting to talk about all of a sudden. Like, yeah. that's all staged for the camera so they can have a place to put them. But those conversations are real. Like they're trying to figure out their lives and. They're dealing with some. A or bunch of you'll stuff have the situation where where the couple is having a disagreement, or it's just one of them being interviewed, and the producer or someone yeah, has to step involved. in yeah. <laughs> and has to make sure they're okay, or see if uh, if they don't have something like up their sleeve. Like I don't want to spoil anything. Like not that there's much to spoil from this fucking show. Yeah. But one of the main characters does something outside of the contract. I'm assuming that was the show. Yeah. By the way. And the producer has to step in, and I'm like, oh shit! And they kept this in the final cut. Okay. She's like, what do you mean? We followed through for 60 days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Like, oh, How did man. this happen? Dude, uh, I want to talk about that too, but it's like, what a dumbass. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We just signed papers. <laughs> they, I mean, they also picked some cream of the crop motherfuckers oh, in this did, show, yeah. guys. Like, I mean, some of these ladies. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it makes you wonder what got them to this point like yeah. in their life that they decided, you know what? This is a good idea. I'm going to, you know. Not look into my old general area or vicinity and uh, yeah, look for someone in a different Morocco country. Fine. What I think is hilarious, though, is a lot of the people that they're looking at are from, like, you know, no offense to some of the smaller states out there, but a lot of rural states. Oh, definitely. And dude. these people that are coming from abroad are expecting, like, big cities, especially because they're coming from big cities. Yeah. Like, one of them's met, like, at a club city that they'd always go out dancing, and it goes into this. We're in the middle of the nowhere town. It's all country. And there's the next nearest city is like a four hour drive. And he's like, I just want to move, you know, somewhere a little bigger. It's got more stuff. Talk about the Spanish guy? Yeah. David? Yeah. And it, he's, he's from Spain. <laughs> um, and and uh, I think it's Barcelona and, or maybe Madrid. And he's coming down to the middle of, I think it's Pennsylvania or something like that. And just like, or, or the there. fact that there was only one couple out of the five that was, that was from the American side that was willing to go to their spouse's country. Yeah. Everyone else like, I'm staying here, and it's like, well, you know, you got to try to work and meet in the middle here. So. Talking about um, 
The Moroccan one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's using her, though. Oh, yeah. But he was a Captain No-Show also. Yeah. That's Multiple true. times. Dang. Yeah. That is true. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Man, let's right. talk about... Out of nowhere, this becomes a fucking hour and a half. Just podcast <laughs> on this for hours, 90 Day Fiance. Highly recommend not watching 90 Day Fiance. Otherwise, you'd be addicted like us into the show. And we're just lucky that we can't see the other seasons on Hulu. So we're kind of able to wean ourselves off now. Uh, anything else you've been seeing, Nabil? No, that's what's been uh, pretty much occupying my time for the last couple weeks. What about you, James? What you been watching? So I've been watching a lot of movies because Oscar season's up. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, the Academy Awards should already be uh, announced. So uh, just like just like every year, I guess, for me, for yeah. the last decade, I'm going to try to watch all of them except foreign films and documentaries because no one cares. <laughs> so what's going to happen here is a lot of these movies kind of come and go so i tend to try to see the movies that i can watch now that i know aren't going to be released before oscar season and then sometimes i mean re- recently i watched a bun- bunch of movies that probably won't get nominated for oscars uh i so like i told you guys before i saw 14 movies in the last 14 days so you guys do the math that's an average of one a day i just want to be real with you guys i saw a lot of films uh i saw this one with marco and mikey it is a film called if bill street could talk um, did you guys watch Moonlight at all from Barry Jenkins? His first uh, feature-length film? No. I didn't, but I want to. That is an excellent movie. That was one of my favorite films of 2016. I think it was my second or third like favorite film. Yeah, uh, Excellent. So this is a movie that is uh, based on a novel that came out in the 60s. And it's basically about a young lady in Harlem that embraces her pregnancy. And there's like a family struggle going on because she's trying to prove that her fiance is innocent of a crime that he actually did not commit. So it stars uh, Stefan James as Fonny, who is the fiance. Then Kiki Lane is Tish Rivers, the um, pregnant young lady. And this movie is fantastic. It's one of those movies that I, I'm even thinking about it now, even though I'm just talking about it. So it doesn't make sense that I'm saying that, but... You know what I mean? Like it was a movie that days after seeing it, I kept thinking about it. It's a movie that is shot beautifully. It's well acted. It has a story that is about. It's it's ultimately a love story, and yeah, it's okay. something that is super relatable to a point that people will do whatever they can when they're in love. I'm gonna be honest. Until the Golden Globes happen, I had not heard of the film at all, so I have no idea what this film was. I've seen no trailers. Can you give like a little bit of a, a synopsis of what exactly this film was about? Without spoiling it, without spo- like, I mean, really, it basically, without sp- I try to keep it simple there. That's why. Yeah, well, it 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 resonates a lot with today's time because it, it deals a lot with uh, systemic racism, both back then and even today, and goes into a slight brief history of the Jim Crow laws that affected African Americans in this country, but if, specifically with like yeah. the justice system and how it was ma- it was uh, skewed differently to try african-american males more harsher than than white males yeah but it also revolves around like the love story and how these series of events affects their personal lives and it puts you into their perspective a lot james mentioned this and we talked about this and how they do a lot of uh like face shots where you're you're staring like directly direct, into the yeah. eyes direct of, on face shots yeah. the cinematography like it says good if you want more of a synopsis to build it's more a young girl finds out she's pregnant right all right her fiance has just been sent to prison though, and she is trying to work with her family to get her fiance out because mm-hmm. he got ID'd by a police officer for saying that he raped someone basically. Oh. So, and the like the circumstances surrounding the crime, it's almost don't impossible for, yeah. that it could have been him. 
But so. back in the sixties and during the time there they are, they're in um the New York area, it's kinda rough. Right. And it's a, they dealt with a racist cop. Yeah. And then it's a case of a lady that didn't really see what happened, but when you're in that situation, shit happens. Right. But well, I watched this movie with James, like he mentioned, and like you, Nabil, I came in blind. Like I had not watched the trailer at all. It's definitely one of, of those like James's Oscar movies. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I wanted to join him, you know, for this. I wanted to join him to watch the favorite, but I couldn't for that. But I'm glad I was able to watch this movie. I went in blind, and I absolutely loved it as well too. Like like everything that James said is is. Uh, something I agree with. It's powerful. It's beautifully directed. The camera work is just so done so well, and it makes me want to go back and watch Moonlight now because oh, you should I, I respect a lot of the, uh, of what this director did for the movie. The performances were also great. It's well acted. Um, there are scenes that really do make you feel like uncomfortable, and I love when movies do that when they really immerse you into the story. It's one that uh, I'm sure James will agree. I recommend it too. If I had seen this before 2018, this would have definitely been probably my number one film in 2018. That's how my, I feel like this is a film that I'll revisit one day. And it's also, it's not exactly the happiest film, but it's a very powerful film. For my second film, though, I'm going to take a little step back here. I saw the movie Alpha. Um, <laughs> also known as uh, Beto. <laughs> uh, this movie is really fucking good, by the way, guys. Have you guys remember which, seeing the trailers for this one like which is seven years ago? Which you say... <laughs> Because we've done nothing but slag on this film since we've heard about it. Actually, yeah. I never slagged on it. I said it looked interesting. That's not oh, true no. at all. That's we did kind all. of like poke fun at this movie at first. It's weird. It's Albert Hughes directed this. He's one of the Hughes brothers back in the 90s. Did a lot of like Menace to Society, Dead Presidents, and yeah. stuff like that. It's a great film. Wow. Um, yeah, then he did like From Hell, which is terrible, and then The Book of Eli, which is pretty good, actually. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind it. Uh, this movie is um, just a quick synopsis. I'm not gonna really even read what I wrote. Basically, a young—it's kind of during like prehistoric times, mm-hmm. kind of not caveman like, not even kind of more Neanderthalish kind of people, I guess. Yeah, so like thousands, really know, thousands of years. Ago. Yeah, it's like twenty thousand years in the past, basically. They're hunting okay. buffalo, and he—he's thrown off a cliff, and he's left for dead because they think he died. His whole tribe, with his dad, he's a chief. So the main guys. Uh, Kata, and he's played by Cody Smith McPhee, and he actually does a really good job here. This is a much darker film than they advertise, by the way. Because first off, this movie was delayed. This was supposed to come out originally in 2017, September 2017. Right. It got pushed to March 2018. Then it got pushed to September 2018, and then it got pushed backwards to August 2018 when it ultimately came out. Yeah, they had to do a lot of reshoots or something, right? I don't even know if they did reshoots. I, I there's no explanation why it was delayed. Technically, I, I tried looking up multiple ways and huh. there might have been reshoots, but I think it was just marketing just changed up of how they were going to do it. Because at first, the first trailers that came out for this film actually showed off as something of a somewhat like survival film, which it actually is. Yeah. And then other ones were like the beginning of mankind with mm-hmm. the dogs and shit. And it was like a family film. I was like, what the fuck is this? And this movie is like PG-13. Like it's almost rated R like to that kind of extent. Because like he breaks his foot and he's like getting attacked by saber tooth tigers and shit. Oh, it's yeah. fucking intense. He does befriend a uh, wolf in this one, and that's kind of the point of um, the film in a way, but not really. It's mostly about the kid actually and getting back home. And the wolf is just kind of something that he befriends, and it's somewhat of a story about domestication. The, yeah, domestication of uh, canines, right? And yeah, and using started them. with wolves and then. Yeah. Yeah, they evolved. And it's incredibly well done, by the way. Like, they don't, it's actually, 
for what they went with and what they were trying to portray, it actually works out. They don't speak English. They have their own language, of course, which makes sense. That's actually pretty cool. I was happy. I didn't, think they were, I didn't know if they were going to start speaking English. I was like, fuck. You know what mm. I mean? But no, they're actually speaking. There's subtitles for everything. Don't they speak English in the trailer? There's a voiceover that speaks yeah. English, but it's not anyone from the thing. You are right. Yes. Okay. Once again, this movie actually made money, by the way. It did. It did actually make money. Oh. So... It did better than people thought, I, but it would have done even better, I think, if they did correct marketing in this movie, but they didn't. So, you know, they just tried. Yeah. So, um, it's, I recommend it though. It's got a cool sense of adventure. It's about a, a young man surviving against the kind of, it starts snowing and such like that. So he's going against the elements. And the wolf is adorable, by the way. <laughs> I wanted to fucking hug that little beast. James wants one now. I, wanted, I was like, I like it. I want to get a husky. I now. was like, someone tell me what Alpha's real name is. But, for the most part, that's a little slice of uh, what I've been watching here the last two weeks. Uh, what about you, Marco? I actually did something that I finally said I was going to do, and I veered away from Netflix. You watched Daredevil? I, oh I let God. it go, guys. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, here we go. Round of applause. Fuck. Marco's got four movies in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding them hostage. any of those. those. I'm <laughs> holding them hostage. No, uh, Please watching... Please blow the dust off them next time you see them. I will. <laughs> I bought some Swiffer dusters just for them. <laughs> hey, uh, watching 90 Day Fiance actually got me into switching to Hulu a little bit, and I got okay. to finish uh, Atlanta season two. Nice, finally. That's a good one too. I actually started watching it during its regular era on on Netflix. Not Netflix. See here, I go. My Netflix bullshit. FX. On FX. Yeah. But I never got to finish it. I got about halfway through, and then I started getting distracted with other things, video games probably. Nabil, have you seen all of it too? No, just the first season. Okay. Oh, man. You're going to love the second season. I love the first season of the show, and the second season just blew me away even further. Just, I mean, if you haven't heard us talking about it before in previous episodes, just really quick recap. It was created by Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, and it takes place obviously in Atlanta, and it's about his character, Earn becoming a manager for his cousin, Alfred, played by Brian Terry Henry, uh, who is getting popular in uh, the rap music scene in Atlanta. So season two is now them dealing with the success of Alfred, whose uh, alter ego is Paperboy, and that's his rap name. And the, not repercussions, but consequences that, that come with that. Not only that, but they went as far as to subtitle this season, Robin season. And it's got kind of a very meta significance because each character loses a part of themselves or a a certain perspective of themselves gets lost in each episode. And you have to watch it in order to see what that is. But it definitely challenged the characters uh, as far as like Earn and Paperboy goes and even earns baby mama van who's played by zazie beats she's and like one of my favorite characters in that show she dude she i loved her growth in this season yeah, from too. the first season she's not just the girlfriend she's not just the baby mama but she is her own character and there's an entire episode episode dedicated to her that also is one of my favorite ones of of the season and um just i'm only gonna say it has to do with drake that's all i'm gonna mm-hmm. say but if you haven't checked it out, watch Atlanta. It's on Hulu, and I can't recommend it enough. The other show I've been watching is one that Nabil actually talked about and recommended, and that is Jack Ryan. 
And that's uh, Amazon Prime Video original. So see, I actually am taking advantage of all the shit that I'm paying for. <laughs> um, it's in its it's first season. It's and uh, I just uh, started the first two episodes. It's an action drama, and it's based off the character of the series, Jack Ryan, who was created by Tom Clancy. There's a series of books. If uh, you've been alive as long as I have, then you're familiar that there have been some movies, including Jack Ryan, The Hunt for October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger. If not, then check all those out. Movies. They're great. All the movies. Whoa. Yeah. Um, some of Except all for fears. I, I don't want to mention all of them because I mean Shadow we, Recruit. Yeah. Okay. That's I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to go through all that shit. Sorry. Anyway, this one is just uh, starring John Krasinski. Who plays the title character of Jack Ryan? It stars Wendell Pierce as his boss, James Greer, and Abby Cornish as Kathy Mueller, as well as Ali Suleiman as the main antagonist, Suleiman. And basically, it's about Jack Ryan being an analyst for the CIA, and he's got a hard on for Suleiman, who's an extremist <laughs> that branched off from ISIS. And one of the things Jeez. that I really like about this show is that it's character treatments. First of all, Krasinski is very talented and he does a great job as uh, Jack Ryan. I need to see this show still. Dude, yeah. I like, I like, I like, I like him a lot. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Ford was one of my favorite Jack Ryans, but truthfully, the bill was right. I did like Ben Affleck in some of I have to watch that again. The the worst one is Chris Pine. Unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. Which by the way, it actually wasn't that bad. No, movie. it was just the worst of the series. Yeah, but so, obviously they rebooted it. On yeah, the show for the reason. yeah. It's a, it's a modern take on Jack Ryan. As you can see, there's been various incarnations of him. Even Alec Baldwin played Jack Ryan in the Hunt for Shit, October. If, if we're really going back, Connery was in that film. Away. And it's also good to see Wendell Pierce in this, who yeah. plays his boss, because I really enjoy that guy from The Wire, which is another show He's that James used to actor. watch. I know, I know who that is though. Yeah. But their their dynamic is great because they the Jack Ryan and his boss butt heads, but they're also very professional, and they're like, you know, I. Even though I have a personal issue with you, I'm going to work with you and try to make you be successful in, in your analysis and stuff like that. But the main thing I like is their take on the antagonist, Suleiman, because you get something different from most uh, from other antagonists where they give him a background. Yeah, he's not a generic terrorist. He's not a no face. And you get to see the series of events that led to him being an extremist. And you don't necessarily sympathize with the guy, but you get an understanding and you get a full picture. As well as you get to see that the U.S., you know, as as much good as they're trying to do, sometimes you got to bend the rules in order to get shit done. And it's not always the right thing to do. Like there's one scene where they're going to capture these these two sus suspects and they don't have the full intel. And the guy just makes the call and says, let's grab them. And it's like, dude, that's not really part of that's not really right because you don't have the full information. But I like the fact that they put both perspectives on equal ground and I respect that. And I'm excited to see the rest of the show, but I highly recommend it. Check it out. It's on Amazon prime. And I think it's only like six or yeah, seven only, episodes. It's very short. Very yeah. Short so I'm two episodes in. So I'm a third of the way in and yeah, that's all I've been watching. Okay guys, that, that was, we had quite a plethora of stuff there. So let's move on now to our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. All right, guys. So the topic of the week here, in honor of Glass, which is a superhero film that's not a Marvel or DC film, I wanted to ask you guys, what is a superhero film that's non-Marvel, non-DC comics, because I feel like those are the most common, uh, that you can recommend to viewers and why. So it's kind of something maybe people have missed or maybe 
people are kind of new to the superhero craze and they don't remember older films perhaps so this is a good time to kind of tell them your favorite spawn image comics right there i'm just kidding <laughs> spawn's terrible oh my god uh i'm gonna start it off so my pick is the 1990 film teenage mutant ninja turtles The city itself will be our playground to use as we please. Rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy. Freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title. So this one is directed by Steve Barron, who actually did Conehead in 93, which is kind of weird. <laughs> I didn't yeah, actually realize that. <laughs> so, um, if you guys have been living under a rock and don't know who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, they were um, basically four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We need you to put this on pause <laughs> and go look that shit up right now. Now, they're turtles that emerge from the shadows to protect New York City from a gang of criminal ninjas. So, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure at least Marco did. Um, because, once again, Nabil's past is kind of... Envel- enveloped in smoke and mirrors. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. I don't know if he like Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Batman, or some fucking. Or I, Powerpuff I mean, Girls. we know we, we know Nabil like Spider Man. Yes. We don't know past that. Did you guys like Ninja Turtles? Yes. Okay. I fucking yes. it was great. I fucking love this movie. The, especially no, no. The, I mean, even just leading up to the movie, did you did you like like the toys? Did you buy the uh, toys? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was Leonardo hardcore fan. I can I can yeah. tell you're wearing two katanas right now with a belt slung over all your shoulders. So. <laughs> I got, why do you guys think I wear this blue bandana when I bring it down? See, see? I assumed you yeah. just big fan of uh, big fan of colors. I don't know, man. Rep, uh, repping the Crips or something, dude. Um, I love Ninja Turtles, by the way. I think everybody liked Ninja Turtles our age growing up. I think it was weird if you weren't a kid. And didn't like the Ninja Turtles. Well, I mean, I knew once again. I, I came across like girls, even as a kid, that loved the Ninja Turtles. Like everybody loved the Ninja Turtles. I don't. I don't know if any girls particularly liked them, but I remember like when I, especially like first grade, second grade kind of thing. Everyone knew about Ninja Turtles at least girl wise. Yeah. But I mean, we, my brother and I, had so many of the toys. We had the truck. We had. We never got the Technodrome. We wanted it. I, got the, I had the, I had the blimp. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. They had some cool ones. They had little spin-offs. They had the Transformer ones where they go that's in. That's one I had. I had a Raphael uh, Transformer. Those ones cool. are cool, dude. And then also, like, they had the cartoon show, which was incredibly cheesy, but I loved it, too. And they had a lot of cheese pizza. Hey, man. They did. They, they had the best-looking pizza on there hey, right now, right? Hey, Bebop and Rocksteady. Okay. <laughs> the show cow, gave us that. It's cowabunga, bro. Anyways, the movie, though, is actually pretty good came out in 1990 like i said so at this point i saw it much after it came out i was only two when it came out so this movie i've even seen it recently and it holds up pretty well uh, they use the jim henson company to do the animatronics for the ninja turtles as well they come off as kind of realistic even though they are guys in suits it doesn't look that bad even no. for something that came out 29 years ago and i think point. it's because they have a very dark tone to it too so it's like all yeah this is closer to the comics yeah yeah to uh to a point they did a great job at combining both the cartoon and the original comic by eastman and laird it right. was like a good hybrid where it was it was violent it was dark and serious but at the same time it had comedy 
and aspects of the the cartoon, which yeah. was one of the things that really like drew me into the movie. And I even like the scene at the end, especially the showdown with like uh, Shredder versus Turtles. It's yeah. incredibly well done. Yeah. So uh, they got it from the actual first graphic novel that I read too, where yeah. they they do have a fight scene on the roof, which is cool. It ends differently, but I like the fact that they pretty much got it almost page for page, which yeah. is cool. It's a darker tale though, like you're saying, and. Um, I remember like the first time I heard Raphael so damn or something. I was like, yeah. "Oh, he's cursing," because he loses his fucking uh, uh, what is his size? His or size, yeah. yeah. He hey, could we just say it had probably the coolest version of Casey Jones? Yeah, I'd Casey Jones is tight there, man. Yeah, that's cool what I'm saying. Too. It was the like my favorite version of Casey Jones. He gets a little goofier in the sequels. Overall, solid film. Came out in 1990, like I said, 19 years at this point, and I still would recommend it. All the Ninja Turtle films have a special place in my heart because as a growing up as a kid, I didn't judge them like I do nowadays. So I, it's, yeah. a, it's a big nostalgia thing, but even with the nostalgia side, the first movie I think is really solid. So I would say give it a look. Solid choice, man. Yeah. Like what it. about you, Marco? Mine is a little different, but I chose 2008's Hancock. Fellas, listen, give yourselves up quietly. Okay. Hancock's latest act of so-called heroics has once again enraged city officials. I can smell that liquor on your breath. Because I've been drinking. Jackass. Call me a jackass. One more time. Jackass. So Hancock came out June 16th, 2008. It was directed by Peter Berg, who did The Rundown with uh, The Rock and also Friday Mm -hmm. Night Lights. Not the TV show, but the movie with Billy Bob Thornton, which I've never seen. Really? You'd like that? That's a good movie. Yeah, Yeah, I heard it's a different take. The show does something a little different than the movie, but they're both sort of based on the same kind of true story. Yeah, it is. But, uh, yeah, he did Hancock, and it stars Will Smith, who is the title character, John Hancock, Charlize Theron as um, Mary Embry, and Jason Bateman as her husband, Ray Embry. And Damn, Jason I Bateman's in Jason Bateman. Yeah, <laughs> Jason right. Bateman, bro. Yeah, he's the husband. It also is weird because this movie came out 11 years ago. Yeah, Jesus it's Christ. also weird that it came out the same year as The Dark Knight. That's why Did no it? one remembers this oh, movie. That's, I remember... Yeah. I remember this movie a lot because when we worked at Sears at the time, oh, we had time. an advertisement for this movie every like 30 mm-hmm. seconds on the screen. It was part of our the blue for like oh, months. shit. For yeah. months. That's the only reason yeah. I remember it vividly. For those of you who don't know, we all met while we were working at Sears. Yes. Now now they're going to look right. us up through our... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God shit. damn it, Marco. <laughs> so uh, Hancock is about an alcoholic superhero named <laughs> Hancock. <laughs> Who is hated in Los Angeles because of the destruction he causes when he's stopping crime. And he tries to change his ways with the help of Ray Embray, Jason Bateman's character. All while dealing with the fact that he's all alone in the world. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I think the last time I saw it was well over five fucking years ago. I thought you were about, but enough about Wolverine. (laughs) 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 Oh man, good one. I think it's a cool take on the superhero genre, specifically on, let's face it, Superman, because the Hancock can fly, he's super strong, he's indestructible, he's bulletproof, 
he's essentially a Superman-ish character. And it's a deconstruction of that character before even Man of Steel itself. Yeah. Look at that. Mm-hmm. But it's still funny. It's It has its comedic moments, like when Hancock is screwing up and he's causing a big fucking mess. Uh, it's it's hilarious because he you can tell that you know he's either under the influence or he's hungover or he just doesn't give a shit. And I like Will Smith's performance in this. I think it's one of the like last few movies he's done that's that was like still pretty good before he did Bright. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> so Damn, um, we did that episode like a year ago, didn't we? God, yeah. Uh, look that up if you can. We just go in on that movie. The, I like the action sequences when I saw this movie. I thought it was pretty cool, and it was nice to see sort of a quote-unquote modern take on Superman. And it kind of, I, in a way, it probably didn't, but in my opinion, I think it helped pave the way for a newer Superman. Um, and, of course, this was after Brian Singer's Superman Returns comes out, which I you know, ended up not getting a sequel. But this was kind of more like, Hancock was more kind of like a hybrid of a serious slash comedic view of the superhero genre again, like I said. And it was really funny. Jason Bateman is like Michael Bluth trying to work with a superhero. And it was it, it was kind of funny at the time because he's got sort of that pan away comedy where he like says something under his breath or he's very sarcastic and uh, trying to get this bad person quote-unquote bad person to change his ways in his uh jason bateman ways if you're a big jason bateman fan you, you know exactly what i'm talking about but uh the, the dynamics work Charlize theron is kind of like a secret character in the background and you learn more about her as the movie progresses and if you haven't seen this movie i don't want to give away what that is but um it ends up being a big part of the plot it's uh, rated PG-13, so it's still family-friendly, but there are a lot of adult jokes. Uh, all in all, I think it was, it's a fun movie. It's nothing great, but it's something that's also different and gives us a different look into the world of superheroes. So I, I recommend it if you haven't seen it. So check it out. Nice. Uh, what about you, Nimbo? My movie is a 1998 film, The Mask of Zorro. Some say he's a legend. Zorro was a servant of the people. He did what was needed. Now he's needed again. Others, a ghost. Be careful, senorita. There are dangerous men about. Some say he fights for justice. There are some who would call him a rogue. Others, for revenge. All that playing with swords, shooting guns, racing around on horses. Such sweaty pursuits are hardly the work of a gentleman. No one has seen his face. Uh, this is directed by Martin Campbell, who, didn't know this, directed GoldenEye, then later Vertical Limit, and also Casino Royale. Royale. Yep. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, Interesting. Stars uh, Antonio Banderas as Alejandro Mureta, uh, as also a.k.a. Zorro, New Zorro, I should say, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Elena, and Anthony Hopkins as... Don Diego de la Vega, also old school Zorro. I thought she was like, he's old Zorro. Yeah. <laughs> but um, not Hispanic. Not, no. The only um, person that's secondly <laughs> yeah. Hispanic in this film is Antonio Banderas, I guess, as far as main cast are concerned. Uh, so. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But he's a Spaniard. But I mean, he's not Mexican. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what, guys? Anthony Hopkins is okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, he's a good actor. They're, they're all good, great acting. Um, if you don't know what the history of Zorro is, uh, the original Zorro, Don Diego de la Vega, is captured and imprisoned just as Spain concedes California to Santa Ana. Twenty years go by, and his moral enemy, Don Rafael Montero, returns to California with a plan to become wealthy at the expense of the peasants. The original Zorro escapes from prison and trains a new Zorro to take his place. And then there's a lot of swashbuckling and um, a lot of daring ensues. Um, this film still holds up really well. It's set in like the mid-1800s, um, and so young California. And what's cool about it is that there's a lot of sword fighting. It's kind of like a Western almost. Yeah. Um, and it, it's got a nice little fun love uh, romance comedy story thing going on. While there's just a lot of cool action, though, The too. chemistry between Catherine Zeta-Jones and uh, Antonio Banderas is very well done, yeah. too. Anthony Hopkins, very subtle uh, guy over there. He's like he's a, like very, once again, scene stealer. Yeah, but he's still, exactly, he steals the scenes, you know, each time he shows up. You could see that he still holds his own as the original Zorro in, in this film, like fighting... Um, Rafael, uh, Don Rafael Montero. I think um, in almost anything Anthony Hopkins in, is in, he steals the scene. Yeah, I like, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this movie in theaters and I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, it was when there was a big Antonio Banderas hype because he had done Desperado, Desperado, probably, right? Yeah. yeah, and it kind of builds off of that. And and that's the thing I really like is this is probably one of my more favorite Antonio Banderas films because this is kind of like peak cool Antonio Banderas. He's Kind of hot-headed, brash, young, but at the same time trying to be disciplined and cool and suave. It's, all it's very cool stand. that they went with a kind of a soft reboot of like the Zorro story. Yeah. And they even make references to like the old episodes of a couple of his old adventures. So mm-hmm. it's like a continuation of it. Uh, my dad took my brother and I to see this in the theaters back when it first That's came out. And yeah, this is this is a movie like we were talking about. Even when we were talking about this beforehand. Is a movie that I really like overall. It's it's got a the action is really good in this movie. The sense of adventure, like you said, it's basically a western. Yeah, and um, it's such a good movie, man. And it, yeah, I like I, I like the overall tone of it. Like what you said, the like the western aspect of, uh, of it all. The, the inaccuracies of the casting is probably one thing that yeah. would probably turn me away from it like it was today. the 90s least, I mean, but they still i mean kind of do it today yeah oh yeah true but they're not not That's as fuck, not as fucking obvious as uh yes. anthony hopkins as the old yes. Zorro. but you know I'm what like, they play it off pretty well though he's in the movie. an they old give, british they, guy they make his tan really hard on there they do <laughs> and the way he talks i mean he, he does it he does a pretty good job so yeah um and you know what this film in itself is just a great action film. It's kind of essentially like a Hispanic Indiana Jones. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, so which is really cool. And I think that if any film that needs to be like reintroduced to the public, Zorro, I think, is a character that should be. Whether they do like a really nice, I mean, I'm just saying, Diego Luna is available, and he is a really like seasoned actor that could portray Zorro. Hey, I'm yeah. just saying. Hey. Uh, funny that you bring that up. I don't know if you read it or not, but they've been making a Zorro movie, so it really should be out this year. Oh, I did not with, know that. I believe Gael Garcia Bernal. Uh, even better because I fucking love Gael Garcia Bernal. So but I don't think he's the main character. Fuck, that's <laughs> messed up. I don't know if he's Zorro. If they're doing it like a female Zorro, so. Check Definitely, I think a story that's <laughs> quite forgotten because I do forget about Zorro sometimes. It's kind of like yeah. a mask writer, um, and I think that he, this is kind of like a superhero that people could actually see, kind of like Batman. But he's yeah. just not rich; he's just a normal well, guy. He's what but inspired I mean, he's Batman. Kind of wealthy though. He's no, he is. Batman. He is wealthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he so, inspired Batman. Yeah, that's right. It's cool. So it's it's 
pretty neat to see that and you can relate to him too and it's you know an, an older time period too so you know there's a lot of there's not a lot of tech involved with it so anything yeah, to do he's, he's like a like a mixture of batman and robin hood and where like he's he is rich but he's also helping the poor from evil rich aristocrats which is also pretty cool yeah definitely something i think um is worth watching let's move on now to our review of the m night Shyamalan film glass Maybe this will all make sense if I explain who I am. My name is Dr. Ellie Staple, and I'm a psychiatrist. My work concerns a particular type of delusion of grandeur. It's a growing field. I specialize in those individuals who believe they are superheroes. Good for you. The three of you have convinced yourselves you have extraordinary gifts like something out of a comic book. David Dunn, the only person to survive that train wreck all those years ago. What do you do? I'm in security. You think you have superpowers? It's a feeling. Vision. I have to touch them. You believe you are a protector. My name is Patricia. I have no question. There are two dozen identities. I'm Mary Reynolds. Por favor, senora. We almost got you, bro. That live in that body with you. The beast is coming any minute now for you guys. But what I am questioning is your belief that you are something more than human. And yet, it is true. All right, guys. So, starting our review here of Glass. It is a 2019 film directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, quick synopsis of this is security guard David Dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man who has 24 personalities. This stars James McAvoy. I'm just going to say he's, he's Kevin Wendell Crumb, even though he has different uh, 24 identities, yeah. of course. Oh, you're not going to mention Hedwig? I mean, Hedwig, the Beast, Miss Patricia. Uh, Bruce Willis is David Dunn. Samuel Jackson is Elijah Price. Anya Taylor-Joy is Casey Cook. Sarah Paulson is Dr. Ellie Staple. Spencer Treat Clark is Joseph Dunn. And Charlene Woodard is Mrs. Price. So before we start with this, guys, I asked you guys before we watch this to watch Unbreakable from 2000 and Split 2017. Spoiler alert, those are the movies that become mm-hmm. the trilogy to glass. I mean, for a while, Split was kind of one of those films that unless you watch it, you would never know. Yeah. How was it revisiting those movies? Are we are we spoiling these movies? Those first two? Yeah, I mean, I would okay. assume we can spoil them because glass. We will not spoil yeah. for you. We will get into a spoiler section. Okay. But um, good call, Marco. So I mean, we will be spoiling Unbreakable, which you've had nineteen years to watch. Yeah, and Split, which is you've we had two years to watch. I mean, so and I mean, I, the only spoiler I think is Split is the uh, ending, which if you've seen a trailer for Glass, you understand what's going on. Pretty pretty much. Yeah. I I mean I. I enjoyed going back and revisiting these films, especially knowing that they are part of a trilogy now. And going to revisit Unbreakable was quite an experience because I think you called it, James, when we were talking about it. You said that although it's really good and still holds up, you can still tell it's like an early 2000s movie. Yeah. It's, um, it hasn't aged as well as I wanted it to. But once again, I haven't seen that movie in 19 years, probably. Yeah, I think the story overall is good and solid. It's just there's like 
some of the pacing, I think, is one of the things that that hinders it a little bit. It's kind of a really slow burn movie. That's what I was going to say too. That's what some, my experience was. was there really are some slow. scenes that that linger, and one specific scene that stands out is when they're adding more weight to uh, yeah. uh, Dunn's character's uh, uh, dumbbell, bench, yeah, and he's bench. trying to like bench press more and more weight. That scene goes on for. Ever and I'm like, all right, can we can we move this it's along? It's funny because it. back in the day, I actually didn't like Unbreakable. Yeah, I didn't. Really? Uh, it was one. I mean, I wrote it in a review. If you guys check out my Facebook page, I always because coming right off with of Sixth Sense, I thought M Night was just gonna do horror films. So I guess maybe I was expecting a horror film. And to me, the twist was too noticeable. Like I knew, I knew Mr. Glass was the bad guy. I, I just assumed. I think yeah. maybe the trailers kind of gave it away too. Back then? I don't know. I don't think they did. Really? They were like because the, the original trailer was just helps out or something. when he's know. first talking to the doctor, and that's it. Or maybe someone ruined it for me then, because yeah. I, 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 or maybe I just picked it up hell easy on like he's probably the bad guy. Probably. Cause I, I mean, they do make it kind of obvious. I think even now, rewatching now, it now, now it's kind of obvious. But at the time, it wasn't because twist endings weren't really that big of a thing back then. It was, they were still fairly new, and as M Night Shyamalan. Well, M Night wise, I mean, there's always yeah. been twist. Any Hitchcock film has a twist. So I mean, but uh, but I I mean, I still liked it. I appreciated it, and it, it was still like a really cool take on superhero movies. I got too. you. What, uh, Bill? You were saying you found it the pacing was off too. Yeah, that's honestly. I remembered it being pretty slow, but I, I had a lot of vivid uh, memories of just like big actionable scenes, especially like the ending and the big reveal. I was like, oh, it wasn't yeah. as action packed yeah. as I thought it would be. Exactly. And then I, I go back and watch it. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this kind of. It's pretty quick, too. For a movie that's an hour and 45 minutes or so, it kind of gets to the point of him discovering it. It's pretty takes a late long, in the game. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that it takes a like, long time I for clocked him to it really at, accept at it. an hour 25, he like fully accepts it. So there's 20 minutes left of the movie. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, really? See, that's what I'm saying. It's a slow burn where it's like, okay, come on. Just this is another movie where I it. think 20 more minutes would have helped out. And because it abruptly ends. I don't like the fact yeah, that they write out yep. like the epilogue, like yep. it's a real fucking story. I'm like, the fuck is this? Dude? I. I saw in a in a tweet that um, I wrote it I in my Dave, review. D- David Chen, yes, he wrote the Sla- same thing from slash uh, film slash cast, filmcast. Wrote but said it's a brut too. Yeah, that apparently there were. There's a rumor in Hollywood that they forced Shyamalan to put those in there. He didn't want to. The European version oh, didn't have them in. Oh, really? Because oh, yeah. I wrote my review days before he did this tweet, and even I wrote down the one thing I didn't like was the way it just fucking ends. Yeah, I was like, dude, it seems like. It's really out of character. The entire film is told in a way where they show, don't tell, I guess, you know? Right. And then at the end, they tell, don't show. The whole thing. Which yeah. doesn't make sense. Like, they successfully caught him and blah, blah, blah. He got the people. I'm like, what the fuck? The tone. Of, I mean, couldn't we have just seen that? Right. Which, it worked for me at the time when I first saw it. But watching it the second time, I was like. Seeing it now, I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, weird. so weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Because none of the other films do this either. So, I was like, okay, I guess. Which just doesn't flow for me. It just was off. Um, it would make sense if that was a studio decision. I mean, that makes sense now. I didn't know that. So, no. uh, Split, by the way, was still good even a second time around. Now watching it, I mean, this is like the third time I've seen it, and knowing that it's part of like the second in a sequel or trilogy, I mean, uh, it worked out. I I, th- I like Split in general. So it was a good standalone film. Even yeah. if he didn't do it, like that was just an added part of it. But I, I it was great in that film. I think that's what makes that movie stand out more and work a lot better is the fact that, eat like what you just said right there, is that by itself it could hold itself on its own yeah. without being part of a trilogy. I mean, shit, even, really a, even Unbreakable sequel. could. Yeah, yeah. 
Arguably I mean, the only one that can't so, is like for a long time. Blast, technically, but we'll talk about that one. Yeah, but I, this one definitely, I mean, it's only been a couple of years, but it definitely aged well. It's still good, even though you're already aware that it's part of the series. I forgot how crazy the uncle was, by the way. Yeah, yeah James McAvoy. Oh, fuck. Still, him and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, like, helped carry that fucking movie. Their yeah. interactions, the way that how she picks up pretty fast that Kevin Wendell Crumb is really disturbed. And she holds herself pretty well. And, of course, James McAvoy just being able to play multiple different characters, it helps show his talent. So I, I appreciated that. Definitely. So let's move on to Glass, though, guys. Uh, yay or nay on it, Nabil? You know, I was like, uh, I, <laughs> I didn't hate it, but okay. I didn't love it. I, I got say, you. I was in the no. middle. Honestly, um, it was it was good. It was better than I expected it to be. I'll tell you that. I got you. Yeah, it's getting it's getting kind of tore by critics right now, too. I don't think it's as bad as critics say. I'll no, me much. neither. Me neither. Uh, what about you, uh, Marco? I really liked it yeah. a lot. I thought it was great bookend to the series and really helped conclude the story. And I liked the arc that it gives the characters, even though many people, including the cri- critics, disagree. And to be fair, it was always the ending that M. Night Shyamalan had in mind, according to an interview with him. But um, even though, like we were saying, it probably couldn't stand on its own, I still appreciate the uh, payoff of watching all these films. Yeah. What about you, James? Uh, I'm with Nabil on this one. I wasn't exactly a huge fan of this one. It's definitely the weakest of all the three films in this uh, trilogy. It's the one that I don't think can stand on its own because if you haven't seen the other two, I don't feel like you would understand much what's going on with this one. I mean, you would get it, but it wouldn't be the payoff that you deserve because of watching Unbreakable and Split. That's also why I don't rag on it too hard. It's part of just an ending to a trilogy. So it it sort of kind of clears up everybody's story. But I mean, I'll talk about that in spoilers, obviously, what I feel about that. But I wanted it to give me just a little bit more. And I think pacing-wise on this one, it's probably the slowest out of the three, which is crazy because I thought Unbreakable would be the slowest. But I found this one to probably be the slowest out of the three. Without spoiling it, of course, guys, what were things that did work for you and what didn't work for you, uh, Marco? Uh, what worked for me is all the callbacks, specifically to Unbreakable. They even had uh, some like flashback scenes that they showed, which I really appreciated. Um, the which fa- used uh, deleted scenes from Unbreakable. Yeah, well, yeah, the fact that they bring back the original actor who uh, played Joseph Dunn, Spencer Treat Clark, and uh, he he looks the same, but as just an thirty adult. now, he's just thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I appreciated those moments. Distinct um, face. Yeah, <laughs> distinct face. <laughs> uh, the the fact that we actually get all these characters. In their full form, they they fully accept who they are and what their role is and what they want to do. And I think it's something that uh, we wanted in the original movies that we never really got to see. So I appreciated that. And lastly, James McAvoy's performance. I think that as much as I appreciate Bruce Willis coming back and he did really good. I'm glad he didn't phone it in. And also Samuel Jackson, what little we got of him. McAvoy carried the film, in my opinion. He he just did an incredible job, and he played even more characters in this movie than he's in, in Split. Yeah, it was just unreal. I'm like, man, this guy's really good because that's fucking tough. So that's what worked for me. Uh, what about you, Nubo? What worked for me was, was the performances. Uh, well, I should say all but uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, um, 
he did what he, he did better than he's done in a lot of recent films, but I he's agree. still very much like in a, a timed out Bruce Willis. He's he's not the same caliber of actor as he was before. Apparently, he's ridiculously hard to work with. By yes, the way, he is. Yeah, Bruce Willis is known really? to be incredibly hard to work with. He's he's, uh, he's kind of he's like burned unlikable. more bridges with directors. That's why you don't see him do subsequent uh, big movies and AAA films anymore, or yeah. or A list films anymore. Yeah. But Samuel Jackson, I actually kind of agree with you to the extent of James McAvoy did did very stand out a lot with his performance. But I think Samuel Jackson was like honestly the scene stealer here. Um, each time he showed, I was I felt like he was very it was very menacing. Um, you didn't know what he was gonna do. As I've told James and Marco many times, you know, M Knight loves to do his twists, but he's done so many twists in his films. So many. <laughs> what a twist! Uh, he's. I mean, there was twist after twist after twist. He's like, guess what? And I didn't even know what was One going on more. anymore. I was like, what's gonna happen? What didn't work for me was specifically, and I and I know why they did it after, especially how the end the film ends. But I still, you know. I didn't like it was was Casey Cook's character being involved in the film and being so close to um, Kevin. Um, Agreed. Just like it was, and it was what just a few months later. I think is what you said, right? James? It's actually three weeks after the events <clears throat> of split. Weeks. Yeah, so close after everything that had happened to her, and she's still like really trying to connect with. Which I him. think we'll talk about more in spoilers. Yeah, too. I don't yeah. want to say too much on it, but. Um, that didn't really work for me. I don't think that she, that's something she'd want to be uh, reliving, especially after all that. And it seemed like they just kind of had to um, because of, of how they set up the film for the other two characters. James, what didn't work for you? Uh, well, let me start with what works. Oh, yeah, um, you can do that. <laughs> uh, James McAvoy. Like, I agree with you, Marco. James McAvoy did really good in this one. This is damn near just like a sequel to Split. They yeah. could have almost... If the Split was a normal movie, like a standalone, this could have just been the sequel to it. Sure. I agree with Nabil, though. I felt like Bruce Willis phoned... I felt like he phoned it in. We, we're never going to get the Bruce Willis from Die Hard with a Vengeance Days kind of shit, you know, guys? Just funny because Samuel Jackson's that one too. Uh, Samuel Jackson, <laughs> Samuel Jackson though did really well, and um, he's still very much involved in films though. That's the thing. Samuel like, Jackson. I mean, yes. yeah, he is. It's crazy because Samuel Jackson is seventy years old, and yeah. he's still great. I still appreciated that they ended everyone's story in a way, and yeah. I will talk about that more in the spoilers. But I also didn't like it. I wanted some more out of it because we waited this long to finally see these characters again on screen. And although we did get to see some pretty cool action sequences. Which I, I have some info about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I almost want to say that he still didn't have the budget to do these because M. Night, unfortunately, has made a string of kind of bad movies. And that has affected how he has been able to finance these films. Yeah, and it was with the Blumhouse production, who are notoriously yeah. good at keeping under budget. Yeah. So they get, they put him on a short leash as far as money's concerned. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. It, I almost feel like there should have been more, but... Once again, it didn't bother me. I liked the twists at the end, uh, although I think some of them left me with more questions than yeah. answers. Um, but like in answer to your question, yeah, in an interview, uh, M Night apparently he put in twenty million dollars of his own money into oh, wow. the movie. He's had to do that for and, the last couple films, from what yeah, I and, heard. And he, his bridges too. they did run out of money. So the budget did run out, which is why uh, you can almost tell. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about spoilers. we'll talk about spoilers yeah. on on where you can tell, but um, that did affect uh, the movie to to a point. But um, I I wanted I disagree with you, Nabil. I wanted more glass. Like I do agree that he was a scene stealer in when he was like on camera, 
But I don't think they had enough of him. In fact, I felt it took too long to finally. They don't have get enough of him. David or Glass. No, yeah, yeah. Well, little David is more understandable with Bruce Willis. I guess apparently being a dick to to everyone. <laughs> Look at Marcos is like my goddamn child is crumbling in front <laughs> no, of me. No, but I mean, I still. It's well. I was look still, up his interviews with Kevin Smith. Trust yeah. me on that. I still uh, appreciate his performance with him not being on film as much anymore. I still liked it, and the I think watching Unbreakable. It's not that it's not that hard to play David Dunn. It, it kind of fits to his kind of like curmudgeony self that he is right now, and I think that helped with his character. And I think that's why I appreciate it. Watching Unbreakable and Split back to back and going into this, yeah, I think helps me forgive him a little bit more with his performance. And also, you know, I like his old movies. So. Yeah, uh, guys, let's go ahead and move on into the spoilers so we can talk about a few things. So. If you'd like to check out Glass and not get spoiled, because, I mean, we are going to talk about some pretty big twists and turns here. Please. Just skip ahead to our outro where you can listen to what we're doing next and like our giveaway. Stop listening to us. So here we go. All right, guys. So back from spoilers here, the spoiler sound. Just want to ask you guys, best and worst parts of the film then, since we're totally in spoiler section here, Marco. Total spoilers? Best parts, I would have to say, for me, was the final battle between Dunn and the Horde. I think that was really fucking awesome, seeing them actually like go toe-to-toe. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish it would have been extended, but obviously, like, I do too. We, like we mentioned, because of budget constraints, they couldn't extend the third act. And actually, it was supposed to take place on the fucking skyscraper. Was it? Okay. It wasn't originally a red herring, but... They ran out of money, M9 so they had to like, fight you there. M9 and like, he'll back, we'll make it a twist. Twist. <laughs> so that, and also the reveal of the Horde's background, his, um, I guess, origin story. Which, by the way, was always a rumor of what happened, yeah. even yeah. during Split. They, so they, it's cool that they actually Yeah, win, Split right? actually hinted at it, and I, I remember, I even told you guys, I was like, man, if he was created because of that train crash, also, that'd be awesome. And I thought that that worked perfect. Yeah. They they both, their origin story is the same because that of Glass. Twist. So I liked it. I, it's kind of fucked up, but also like when he throws glass off the wheelchair and you just hear him break <laughs> everything just yeah. only because I he had the balls to do that. And that Shyamalan had the balls to show that because that was a gruesome scene. Yeah. Even though you don't really see anything, you hear it. And it's just so disgusting sounding, like knowing that this guy li- literally got shattered all it, over. It's reminiscent so. of when he falls down the stairs. And yeah. Uh, so, what what was your worst part though? Just just one part. Uh, I'd have to say is when uh, Casey, her just it's not even a part. It's just an an aspect of the movie. It's just her connection to kind of Kevin Wendell. I was Prom. even talking about kind of Stockholmish syndrome, yeah. right, guys? Where she fell in love with her captor. Yeah, it just didn't feel natural. I was like, that's a little it weird. Just, it was kind I of strange, it, but I, I mean, know, yeah. she came from a life where. Getting abused and things were normal, so maybe she felt a connection to him that way. I well, I know it was more the fact that because Kevin was abused and she was abused, she connected to him and he became who he is because of those tragedies. And it's just it strange that she can look past the fact that he was fucking eating someone three weeks ago. Yeah, see, I mean like, that would like haunt me. I'm yeah. like, yeah, he's. I mean, he. She's I understand teenager. why he's fucked like, up. That's traumatic. Yeah, she's it, supposed to be like 17, 18, right? Yeah, kind of. But it it didn't really like flow for me. You know, I get what he was doing, but it didn't flow for me. So it didn't okay. really work. Uh, what about you, Debo? Um, battle scene is great, uh, but I think I think my favorite part was really just Mister Glass's full reveal once he like cuts the guy's throat. 
I was like, oh, Ooh, I didn't see that scene. happening all of a sudden. Was that like, was cool. Yeah. Twist. Yeah. What a twist. <laughs> I was like, that's what he got. Because he looks at the frame and he's like, the frame's uh, crooked over there. And it's like, whoosh. He's like, motherfucker. Took me and you realize what that glass breaking right. was. Yeah. yeah. So that Ooh. was a really good scene, that's I think. his Just, name, too. <laughs> he, he, if you didn't know, his name was Mr. Last name. Glass. On the I, I again I wouldn't say like worst scenes particularly I'd say just in general under use of um, his kid Spencer Tree Clark Joseph Dunn it just seemed like I get he was supposed to be like the Robin to Batman but at the same time which is just, cool because when he's in the the uh, comic book shop yeah. they're even playing Batman and Robin exactly yeah. which is and a great callback like, is he gonna be the next comic but then all of a sudden it's just it's like he disappears halfway yeah, through the movie really no use I, to but the I movie almost, anymore I almost felt like he was supposed to be kind of like an oracle character where he's his I was and ears. hoping so but he and in a way he was that's I, the feeling just, I got I just wish they would have shown more more, more more of that yeah it's just one of those things where I guess time constraint and budgets and I think even just getting on to with how he shows back up with everyone, it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Where he shows up, uh, his mom, fucking his uh, Casey mom. shows up in a taxi. The mm. mom comes out of nowhere. Don't even know how she got there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. A lot of potholes. There's a lot of potholes. Mm. Oh, sorry, I'm taking over your spot. Go no, ahead. no, I mean, that's honestly, that's it. That whole dynamic between the three of them, it's like, okay, they've all connected now, especially at the end. Oh, it's we where they're quote-unquote friends, even though, I mean, Casey and Joseph could be friends. I can understand. Mm-hmm. But when the mom is cutting into him, I'm like, wouldn't you blame her kind of for some of this shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because she egged on glass like she supported You're a every genius. villainous You're act. Beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm she like, did at the end too till he, he died. He's a mass murderer, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, you, James? So my favorite part was the first fight scene. Actually, oh yeah, I thought that was actually better Wait, done. Okay. You can tell You're, it wasn't that's where he had the money. <laughs> yeah. You could tell they actually had like money during this time still too, because that one I thought was actually better choreo like fight scene. Yeah. And yeah. before the police stop him, I was like, there's about to get some shit going on here, man. And uh I didn't like there's two things I didn't like. First off, I didn't ever think it was believable that they were normal. Cause once again, they jumped out of a seven story building and got up. I don't care what the fuck she says with their like Oh, the bars, I could bend the bars. Or, oh, that's shotguns were wet. The uh, wet. can explain it all. And I was like, they jumped out of a seven-story building. That's the one thing that they they omitted. I was like, no one's going to miss the fact that they fell out of a building. Yeah. I was like, um, they, and got up like nothing. Like, who? okay. And neither one of them was scratched, not from the glass or nothing. They were totally fine. I was like, Uh, there goes the title again, glass. Oh, get it? It's not just the title. It's the breaking of everything. I mean, Mr. Glass uses glass. It shatters your expectations. <laughs> All right. Doo-doo. This guy. Um, I did not like that we didn't learn anything about um, Dr. Uh, Staples. Oh, that's kind of weird. That's her name, actually. Uh, she's trying to put the pieces back together. Um, that. What a twist. Yeah, what an M. Night, you son of a bitch. Um, her mysterious group, I felt, should have had maybe a bigger so impact. Interesting. That left me with like, I want to know more about when that. she reaches yeah. out. What, what's the name the of the group again? I forgot. No one knows. Actually, no one knows. they never bring it up. They just the had four that clovers. The, yeah. flo- the clo- four clovers, I guess, or some shit. Yeah, just kind of weird. Uh, I don't like how they snuffed all the guys out at the end. Yeah. I mean, especially David Dunn's death was the weakest. I was like, fuck, really. Mm. Drown him in a puddle. And the kid in a puddle. And the, pu- the kid's just like, I guess they're killing my dad. Yeah, like, but then when well, she reaches out to grab him, that actually doesn't make a lot of sense still, by the way. I, I liked it because she wanted him to know before he died. But it was so vague still. I yeah. thought it was pretty if dark he's and dying, up. It's just, she's just showing like, hey, I'm part of an organization. 
Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, that's I, it? I, I liked it because it's sort of like the villain revealing their plan because they know that there's nothing you could do at that point. And it, it takes away that um, cliche where yeah. the villain reveals their plan and then the hero stops them. She waited till the very last second to give it to him. So it worked for me. I guess. And that, uh, I would have liked said, to see her die. Yeah, it was, she was annoying as all fuck to me. Her character was killing me. I, I mean, like, someone kill her, her please. I see. I wanted I, the she, was, she was annoying up until it revealed who she was. I'm like, there's got to be more to her. There's got to be more to her because there's just no way that she's going to just deny these guys the truth. And then it make for it, me, it, it just it worked for came me. Came out of like left field, I guess, too hard for me. It's called a twist. I mean, one, I, one more twist to add to the twist, right? But um, and I think for that, for me personally, it just didn't work. Yeah. It just was more like, huh, okay, I guess. But once again, they don't go into too much of it, which I guess I mean they don't need to. But yeah, it's but, one of those. But that things. was always going to be the ending too, according to Shyamalan. Yeah, so I mean, it didn't work. But for the most part, uh, there's more positives for me in this movie than there weren't. But oh, yeah. I just. I wish we had gotten a little bit more from David Dunn and Glass's characters. It's just that it abruptly ended for me to a point where I just didn't think that we got there. I mean, yes, we waited how many years? 19 years mm-hmm. to see them back on. But it's just I wish it was a bigger finale. It wasn't quite as anticlimactic as I wanted to think it was because it wasn't. They still had quite a lot going on. Yeah. And as Nabil was pointing out, there's quite a few twists coming back and forth between them all. So... It does have a cool payoff, but I think it's mostly aimed at people that are fans of the first two movies. So for me, it, it worked for me. Uh, the ending worked for me still because it, it was just opposite of the expectation, and it's sort of meta in a way to kind of explain why aren't there extraordinary people in our world? Because you know, yeah. a group exists to stuff them out. Would you guys want to see like a sequel to this, or do you think it just it ended? And let's just move on. I think the characters were the most alluring thing about this. If they're just trying to introduce new characters into this world, I would be interested. I could say that I'd be interested in the organization and what they've been involved with. And that might be a different way. Instead of like, as an example, the X-Men trying to recruit mutants, it's the opposite. They're trying to snuff the mutants out, essentially. You know, that'd be an interesting kind of darker tale of that that I'd probably want to see. I don't think I'd want to see a sequel. Just because it'd it'd be milking it too much. And if it was to be revisited, he'd have to wait like another few years, let the hype die down, and then kind of do similar a similar He's, thing he did with Split, where like nobody knows what it is, and he reveals at the end that this is the group and their origin. Like a sequel to so, the village or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> remember I told you I was like, it might be connected, guys. Hold on, this might be Maybe. the same group from that fucking. That village. would have been really cool where they saw that they they found a different purpose because their old ways didn't yeah, work. Yeah, they did that. And then Mel Gibson pops up out of nowhere. I'm like, wait a minute, from signs? The aliens were real. <laughs> and then the lady in the water is a creature from the fucking fairy tales and pops up? I'd be like, huh? And then Mark Wahlberg's like, stop. And the, the <laughs> fucking kid from... From uh, Avatar uh, Last Bender no, just from, comes in on pocket? No, no man, from the sixth <laughs> sense, man. Oh, he comes God. Out he, he, was he, oh. he comes out and says, what's up, guys? And he, he reveals that he's a superhero because he can see dead people. <laughs> he's, oh, my he, God. The whole crushed. M. Night universe is oh, connected. That actually he's crushing cool. two hot dogs. Yeah, he's can. gained some weight. That's what Marco's getting at. Um, I wouldn't want to see a sequel. I know we're going on a tangent here. I think because they killed off all the people that were the most interesting people in the series. Like James McAvoy was damn near holding it down. He probably could have done another movie. Yeah. Just truthfully, like this could have been something kind of centered around his could character. Like it's Die Hard centered with Bruce Willis <laughs> at the Osaka Tower 
We're, I almost thought it was like, I was like, oh, okay. And I mean, where where Glass was not redeemable, it would be cool to see a twist where the Horde ends up redeeming himself and doing good in the end, like in a, in a different like that, film. Yeah. You know what I mean? I almost thought it was going to be something where like the mom do, becomes the bad guy and Casey develops different personalities and then the son finds out he's strong at the end. I almost thought it was going to do something yeah, like that, like but I'm glad yeah. they didn't. I'd yeah, that would have been down too much for me. All right, any closing statements, guys? Give this movie a chance, especially, like we said, if you're fans of the previous two movies, go in and have your own opinion, whether you agree with us or not, or whether you've made past decisions based on our reviews or not. Just check it out, and if you, have, it. If you have any doubts about it, there's always matinees. Yeah, same thing. Uh, it's a film worth watching if you've seen the other two of your or your friend. If you haven't seen them, I don't see. You're not going to gain anything uh, plus no. or minus for this film. So, um, if you're a fan of it, watch it. If if you're not, then you can definitely wait and maybe binge all three back to back. It'll be okay. Awesome. All right, that is the end of the pod, guys. Thank you everybody for listening. All the feedback, response, reviews. Uh, Marco, can you let them know where to reach us and also our details on the giveaway? Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at MoviePalsPod. Definitely come say hi to us. Leave us comments or suggestions. Or if you know anyone that would like to be a guest on our podcast, uh, you can contact us there and we'll get back to you. Also, our contest for the two original Funko Pop figures is still going on. You still get a chance to win. All you have to do is share us or tag us on your Facebook or Instagram stories or share us on Twitter and make sure you tag us at MoviePalsPod to enter a chance to win these prizes. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode where we will be going and reviewing the new film Roma. Until then, this is James and Marco and Nabil. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.